Yeah, so, so Annie, Ari, I, I think that as long as you just don't admit that you about those counterfeit bills, then you, you'll be okay. Oh, we're, we're on. Okay, uh, nevertheless. Okay, so, Did yeah, this, this is Brock Lurie on the Brock Lurie Show. Thanks very much for your uh, attention today. We have a lot to talk about, and oh, in crap, particular... Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> professional, professional space. Professional yes, space. Yes. Okay. All right, so recently, of course, the uh, Chauvin uh, verdict came down from this uh, 12-member jury, all of whom found that he was guilty on all three counts uh, we'll be talking about that momentarily, but um, very significantly, we need to talk about not just the impact of this and, and what's wrong with it and, and the next steps and such for, uh, with appeal and everything else. Very significantly, um, what does it mean in terms of the way we look at, uh, you know, is this somehow a closing of a chapter of the black-white relations and the, the endemic racism, systemic racism in this country and such? You would think that many people would say, okay, this is great. This is a, a good resolution. We see that people are willing to uh, put a, a quote-unquote bad man, a police officer, into, uh, in, in prison for doing the wrong thing, uh, never mind, of course, that there's nothing to do with racism here. In fact, I don't think there was anything mentioned whatsoever during the trial regarding race, that, that Chauvin was white and uh, George Floyd was black, and therefore this was somehow motivated by race. In fact, there was no charge whatsoever associated with race uh, in this, like a hate crime, for example. So uh, good luck on that. They, they could not produce any any clip or tweet or Facebook post or anything else, a TikTok video uh, on the part of Chauvin saying that somehow uh, he felt uh, negatively toward black people uh, in any way. So the assumption was there, however. So look, it's no longer an issue whether they can prove that a white person acted in, with racist motives. No, 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 it's, it's no longer that issue, Ari. The issue is, did a black person die, period? And whether that's at the hands of the police or, or otherwise, that's all that matters. And it doesn't, it, nothing else matters. For example, the circumstances of the moment, and we'll talk about the Columbus, Ohio incident where a policeman uh, did kill a girl who was uh, going to be killing another girl, a black girl, both black girls, um, that... That's going to be one thing. So if that doesn't matter. The context no longer matters. You could be attacked personally, as happened in the Ferguson case. And if you kill that person who is coming at you with a knife or trying to get your gun or otherwise, therefore, you know, you're, you're, you're an evil person. That's the new talking point. So in other words, nobody has any business dying if they are black. Okay, that's it. There's no excuse, there's no acceptability to be able to look at a situation and say, well, um, that person uh, may have acted in such a way that the police officer or whoever defended himself correctly or handled the situation correctly. Nope, all that matters is that a black person has died or been attacked for that matter, right? Like what happened with Rodney King. So that's it. And I find that to be a very bizarre circumstance. Now, look, what's going to happen in the future if this keeps up? Every time, if you're a white officer in particular, and you see a confrontation that involves a black man, 
even if it's between two black people, black men or black women uh, or girl, even if it involves just one person or just uh, many multiple black people, uh, you're just going to say, you know what? I'm walking away from this. I just don't need this. I don't need to be suspended from my job. I don't need to be doxxed. I don't need to be spoken about uh, nationwide uh, about har- what a horrible human being I am or, or second guest. Uh, I'm just not going to do anything. And that is not a good situation. And then, and then Black Lives Matter and the whole leftist community will complain that the, the police are not doing anything to protect black people. You see? That's the way it's going to be. It's awful. So everything will be Chicago. Put it that way. All right? That, that, that is, I mean, it, the, the last group of people that seem to really want the police or should want the police not to be present uh, is the black community, right? I mean, that's what, sadly, uh, in, in Chicago and otherwise, uh, the, the greatest crime uh, murder is uh, between black uh, and blacks. So you would think that anybody in that community would want uh, police to protect them yeah, to some extent. Let's put it this way. More black victims of crime are victimized by black criminals than any other victim group or criminal group. Right. Okay, so, so the yeah. the police are the... I, I know I'm saying two plus two equals four here, which is racist now, so... <clears throat> um, but it's so basic. It's so simple. Right? Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly right. And look, and then you begin to wonder, why is this happening? Why, why would... So now I do want to turn to the Columbus, Ohio shooting. There, in this situation, the, uh, an officer shot a girl who apparently was going to be killing with a knife another girl. Both of them were, were black girls. Uh, and there was a lot of confrontation. In the background, there's this big guy kicking a girl in the head to, toward a sidewalk. Yeah, it's that, very civilized. That, that, it's like the yeah, opera. That, that seems to go unnoticed, but that's another story altogether. Yeah, I, okay? saw, I saw the last time I saw this kind of chaos and violence was when I went to the Philharmonic and saw, like, you know, Brahms. You right. know? Yeah, exactly. it, was, it was very bizarre. I don't know what you're trying to get, get out there, are you? But I'm going to move on. Talk so, about how it's high culture, you know. Okay, it's, it's not high culture, right. So it's, it's, it's very sad. And uh, there's a lot of fighting and a lot of violence. And you don't know what prompted it, nor, I guess, does it matter from the police's uh, perspective. So he runs upon this confrontation, and he sees this girl about to stab another girl, and he kills the stabber, the, the would-be stabber. And that's it. And all of a sudden... You know, she's just a, what, 13-year-old girl that... 15? Oh, 16. That's right. It was 16. And she was at the prime of her life. Okay, yeah, prime of her life, but she had a knife in her hand and she was about to kill somebody. Okay? That's... that's Had they not... And I brought this up on Newsmax today. Had they... Had this police officer said, look, I'm not going to shoot her, and the girl ends up stabbing the girl who was wearing some sort of pink sweatshirt outfit um, and, and kills her, then, then it would all be about how this police officer did nothing. Yeah. You know, it's what we call a catch-22, okay? You cannot win in this situation. And so the officer did something to protect life based upon somebody who was clearly going to kill somebody else. Uh, I think that I, I, you can, you know, to use the prosecutor's language in the, in the Chauvin uh, trial, uh, you just use your own eyes. There it is. You know, what, what was the officer to do? I don't think many people will ultimately decide that this was somehow racist uh, or, for that matter, excessive use of force. No, There's I mean, no way. This, this was the classic, what I call the superhero uh, conundrum. 
That cop acted like superhero. That's what you see in an Avengers movie. That's Indiana Jones right there. Yeah. You know? He prevented uh, a, a homicide from happening and ended up having to kill to prevent that. It's the same thing. So, so if a black man comes into your house or anybody comes into your house and he's got a gun and he's about to shoot you and you shoot him, well, uh, I mean, that's okay to do, especially if, you're, if your life is threatened or if somebody is, uh, in your family is threatened. You get to, you get to shoot to prevent that, that killing. That's called self-defense. Anyway, the point is, I want to get to uh, a little bit more of the Chauvin trial because what happened there was, as you know, there was guilt, a guilty charge uh, on all counts. Now, you'll recall, Ari, that uh, your friend, I don't know why you hang out with her, Maxine Waters, she said that it's very important to get into everyone's faces and to be very confrontational, and that's a great thing to do, and we can't tolerate this crap, and so, this is before the verdict came down. And so that has become an issue for possible appeal. I don't want to get to, into that right now. But that is something. It was very inflammatory, a very yeah. incendiary, right? Yeah. And we're, so, we're so now, yeah, exactly. So now after the verdict, she's very pleased about it. Um, and, of course, it's never the end, right? So let's, let's play that clip. Uh, do we have it? Yes. Yes, we do. Let's, let me set this up. I'm delighted uh, that we have the verdict that we got today. I could not believe it, uh, but it is absolutely true. And I'm looking forward to elected officials using their influence and their power and for our city council people who have the budgets of these police, who have been intimidated by these police unions, seeing that it is possible uh, to do right, do what is right, and to honor, you know, the community. Okay, so wouldn't it be great if she was talking about the teachers union instead? Just <laughs> I guess sidebar. so. Yeah, all right, all right. So let's move on. The point is that that's a whole bunch of nothing, right? It's a, a word salad, as Ari uh, likes to call it, and I think he's right. Uh, th Toss this was table side. This was nothing. This was a whole bunch of nothing uh, out there. So what is she saying? Like, okay, so now we we need to to take away money from the police? What's, what, what's her main mission here in this statement? So, okay, what so- What she's saying is now that the justice system worked to my satisfaction, let's change the justice system, right? They, well, let's, let's, let's change the enforcement. In other words, in order to punish the police, let's not give any police any money. Uh, it, it's just very strange. And now, of course, uh, you've got Merrick Garland, who is the new attorney general, uh, saying that immediately, uh, this is immediately after the verdict, happened uh, with George uh, in the George Floyd case uh, that they're going to do a systematic uh, wide uh, you know countywide investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department for finding that there is uh, uh, systemic racism there so so <laughs> so the, sorry, it's so ridiculous. the issue it is ridiculous the issue there is I mean first of all it's a foregone conclusion like as, as if they'll they'll do an investigation and say yep Looks pretty clean to me. Uh, very, you know, of course, there's a couple of rogue cops here and there, but uh, systemic, no. I, I think we're cool. Yeah, we looked into the uh, Obama administration. There was a smidgen of corruption. Right. And uh, same here. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit yeah. like being uh, hauled into uh, any uh, Chinese uh, government uh, criminal case, and, and they've arrested you, and only for the judge to say, you know what, I don't think there's any evidence here. Of course there's evidence there. Of course, I'm sorry, that they're going to find evidence th to that effect. So they want to have a foregone conclusions thing where they will completely get rid of the existing police force. I don't know what it is. But here's the real reason why this is all happening. There's something in common with this so-called investigation that's about to happen 
uh, in the Minneapolis police force and the Columbus, Ohio thing, because neither of them makes sense, right? Okay, so the thing that they have in common is that it's a function of the Democrats wanting to continue to divide and to stir up the pot. They need crisis after crisis after crisis. They cannot ever afford a all clear, the status quo is great, uh, there's very little racism in America. They cannot afford that. And we have to understand that no matter what you do to appease the mob, and, and we just had a full uh, guilty charge you know, with no, no caveats or anything, right? Uh, Second-degree murder, no less, okay, for the Chauvin guy. Uh, you know, wh- whether or not that was through the product of intimidation or not, let's, we can get to that another day. But right now, you could not have a happier result for a mob, right? But that's the problem. I don't think, Ari, that they wanted this full guilty thing. They claim they wanted full guilt, right? Like what Maxine Waters said no, and so forth. They wanted to riot. That's they why, they why wanted to riot. That's yeah. exactly right. They wanted some sort of... A, what Their dream would be to have a full acquittal on all of the charges. There's not enough evidence here or whatever it is. Yeah, we, we had some suspicion that he acted poorly, but beyond a reasonable doubt, no, I can't say that. And therefore, we don't have a unanimous verdict. Yeah, you would have a, a whole bunch of riots. And you know what? The Democratic Party wants that. Yeah, and the, They wanted it so badly. They could have, they, they, they were tasting it. Right, and that's why she interfered with it. That's why there was engaging jury uh, 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 intimidation. That's why they set up the... the the, the rubric for it to be reversed fully on appeal. And think about the, the interesting dichotomy of this. Their claim is that the justice system is racist because people of this ethnic background cannot get a break and people of this ethnic background get all the breaks. Yeah. That's essentially it. Look how they're gaming the system to do exactly that. Right? Isn't that ironic? After complaining that's a problem, they're trying to ensure that because they want the riot. They're not interested in justice or what the 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 result is. Yeah, you're you're so right about that. Yeah, so so anyway, let's just let's go to Merrick Garland, uh, because I we, we referenced that before I, I wanted to queue up the actual soundbite that he had and, and listen to the words. So he sets it up introducing himself, of course, and saying how horrible the situation was uh, in all the uh, similar black communities and how people are suffering. And his, his heart goes out to the, uh, the family of George Floyd and otherwise. But he wants to make it clear that uh, there's systemic um, racism afoot. So uh, here we go. Let, let's just play that. First hand. Yesterday's verdict in the state criminal trial does not address potentially systemic policing issues in Minneapolis. Today, I am announcing that the Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. This effort will be staffed by experienced attorneys and Okay, anyway, so you get the idea. This is a, um, a very, look how he's doing it immediately, immediately after the verdict, right? I mean, the verdict just came down yesterday. No, two days ago, rather. But, but really, it's quite, quite phenomenal. The very next day, he comes out with this. Now, you, you ask yourself the question, why, right? Because 
they have to do this. They have to continue to stir up the pot. And look at the language that Merrick Garland uses. This is a foregone conclusion. He's going to say that there is something wrong with the policing involved in Minneapolis. And no doubt, he will then expand it to other police uh, entities so that, make no mistake, you know, he's telling he's telegraphing to the black uh, community out there, we want you to always think that you are a victim, that there is a division between white and black in this country, and it was, it, the fix is always in against you. Is this a healthy approach? No. I'm going to say right now, it's a very destructive approach. But they, they don't care about that because they, you need to understand, the Democrats have nothing to offer. They don't have any ideas. They have not, they've not been able to compete on ideas whatsoever. Yeah, that's a sign in the back, siren in the background. It's going to be a sound you're going to be hearing a lot more of in the next few years, okay? Well, but, maybe a lot less. Well, unless it's fire responding to arson. You know, like, <laughs> whatever, you get the idea. Jeez, you always get into the nuances. No, it's, the, it's, point, the point is... I'm, I'm, making the, I'm amplifying your point that about this uh, ideas thing. They don't have anything to offer. And instead, all they want is the quest for endless and more power. Yeah. Meanwhile, those who offer ideas and solutions are belittled as though as those who are trying to perpetrate it, rather than the greatest civilization mankind has ever had a chance to live in, an endless series of oppressions. Yeah. Ignoring it is it is awful. It is awful in terms of because it really is it's power versus ideas. So they they know they cannot win. Uh, when it comes to the American people, uh, when it comes to their ideas. They, their ideas cannot work and despite throwing these incredibly tempting ideas, for example, that uh, will have a minimum uh, what, universal income, right? Yeah, Basic money for nothing. So $1,000 per week or whatever it is that uh, Buttigieg uh, offered. And, uh, and now uh, Garcetti is offering something similar. We'll talk about that in a moment. The point is, and you're leaving wait, okay, Los hold, hold on. <laughs> uh, oh, so the, the, the point is that they, they can offer these things, free things, free iPhones, free healthcare, free everything, right? And yet they can't seem to muster enough votes. And that to me is phenomenal. That's, that's, that's a good um, a sign of the strength of the American people that they can see through this. But so, so they have to bring in illegal aliens. They have to cheat the system with mail-in ballots and everything that we saw in 2020. And they have to throw out uh, Republican pollsters. They have to, you know, one way or the other, they have to cheat every way they can. Okay. So we know that Trump actually won by a landslide. And the effort that they undertook to undo that landslide, you know, magnifique. You know, they played it all out. They took advantage of every, they exploited every opportunity, including COVID. Uh, and here we are with this, this demented president, truly demented in, a, in, a, in both the physiological way and in the colloquial way. There's something wrong with this man. Uh, but they are now having to agitate. They are stuck with this drug called uh, polarity, racial polarity. That's what it is. They need to stir up this pot day in and day out because it'll never be, there'll never be a moment where Merrick Garland or Biden or any Democrat uh, president in the future, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, the squad, will ever say, you know what? We, um, we feel pretty good 
things have gotten to uh, the point that we uh, think that they should be. Um, and it's it just not going to be so. You know, so we're, we're good with that. We're totally good. Yeah, everyone, uh, you know, thanks to us, the Democrats, we're... Uh, Ah, racial uh, harmony has been achieved, and uh, let's all go home. Yeah, enjoy okay. your lives. Yeah, no, 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 nothing of the sort. Say, go to Disneyland. Nothing yeah. of the sort will ever be said from the lips of a Democrat. Okay, let, let, that's, let, that's this, as rare of a thing as hearing in a blue state or blue city, COVID's over, return to normal. Yeah. You simply won't. Yeah. This, the, the high of this power drug for them is so overwhelming you know, the mask orders, the vaccine orders, the pa- vaccine passports. I mean, it's, it's a wet dream. The, the, the lockdowns for future climate emergencies, the next bioweapon uh, that's used to create a pandemic, the next actual pandemic, the next virus, you know. We always have to be in a state of crisis. That's yes. the point. And uh, crisis politics uh, works. Uh, at least they believe so, it, because uh, I mean they, they believe that's the, that's the only tool in their arsenal. That's that, that's the only way they've done it. I, and I knew it when I saw that they were focusing on the transgender issues, right? We we've talked about the math of this, right? To the extent they even believe in math, uh, one, only one out of ten thousand at best, and more likely one out of thirty-five thousand. Uh, are actually identify themselves as transgender. Now, I think there's been more of a movement uh, toward a greater number only because people are now uh, can, you know, think it's a fashionable trend. Yeah, it's a media so thing. Yes. It's a media, so it's, it's self-driven. And some people are saying, oh, I, I want to be a woman. I want to be a man. Uh, all of a sudden, even though they, they understood. Now, it's, now they think it's not so much that they identify that they realize, you know, ever since they were three years old, they thought they were a boy when they were biologically a girl. Um, it's not like that. Now they think, I can choose to be a man. I can choose to be a woman. And it just, it's more convenient for me. So suddenly that person is also a transgender, you see. So naturally, the ratio will be a lot higher. It'll be one out of you know, 5,000 instead of one out of 10,000 or 35,000. But, but I don't want to digress here. The point is, when I saw that happening, I saw a party in total panic, in total desperation. Because the idea that we should now transform our entire society for the sake of such a small minority of people uh, was so bizarre to me when, of course, you have, you know, what, 10% of the population is left-handed, 10% of the population, at least the male population, is colorblind. Uh, that's a hell of a lot more than the one out of 10,000, one out of 35,000, whatever the number you choose, yeah, whatever fraction. banning color photography? You, uh, you so, know what I mean? <laughs> so, so uh, well, traffic lights for that matter. I mean, there's t- so many other things uh, that cannot be registered when you have uh, colorblind uh, issues. And no one talks about <laughs> changing all of a society for that, for the sake of the colorblind. <clears throat> one out of 10 men. I mean, that's a, that's a huge percentage, but that doesn't matter. What matters is sexuality. <clears throat> Anything to do with sex or identification with sex or your preference, uh, then all of a sudden you get noble treatment. But if you just have run-of-the-mill impracticalities of life, like being left-handed or colorblind, tough crap for you. Okay, That's the way it works. So when that happened, I began to say, guys, the, you know what? These Democrats have nothing to do. And it's, it wasn't as if they needed this group of people, right? I mean, even if you could get every single transgendered person uh, who identifies transgender 
to vote Democrat, which, by the way, I don't think would be a, such a tough tough time. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 80% of transgendered folk uh, identify as liberal and vote Democrat, right? So it's not as if they had to somehow, uh, you know, clean up on, on this group of people in order to win elections, right? So that was not what it was about. It was about what we're talking about now, which is crisis and chaos. To, uh, to acquire power. To and, acquire power. And also... Uh, don't. Uh, this may seem a little off topic, but let me bring this back to current day. Um, first, let me say the water statement that you played earlier. When in victory, do people sound so miserable? Isn't that interesting? And then to compare that to the transgender issue that you just talked about, remember when gay marriage became legalized based on the Supreme Court decision, one would have assumed, being on the other side or being a neutral observer, it would be akin to Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball, you know, uh, 70 years ago or whatever that was, or Hank Aaron, black man in the South, breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Those were two sports incidents, among with a, a number of others, so really big uh, barrier-breaking things for Americans that were rightly celebrated by all Americans. And isn't it interesting, these two things, the Chauvin uh, trial verdict and the breaking of the marriage barrier, because love is love, did not have, by their own supporters, the celebratory response one would expect of, we've made it, girl, we're in the big time now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and instead, in the wake of the, uh, you'll see how I connect this, in the wake of the gay marriage decision, it led immediately to the transgender controversies yes. and the assaults on Baker's floors, photographers, which is, to me, smaller than the transgender thing, because transgender is a cultural thing, is leading to the evisceration of women's sports and all this other stuff that we are not discussing now. Similarly, in the wake of the Chauvin verdict, instead of going, aha, justice, we're free, it's let's cause more chaos, let's cause more destruction, let's cause more change, yes. and let's be miserable about it. it well, so it's, it's a constant reminder. Of, it, well, that's what that's about. Misery the, of victory is the, the main point of all that. The, that's why Merrick Garland went right on the very right. next day to say exactly what we just heard, that they're doing this, this investigation. Lest you out there think that things are better. God forbid yes. that you should think that there might be a movement toward greater equality and that there is less racism in America. No, no, no. We, we, we don't want you to think that. Okay. And, and what's shocking to me uh, is you know, my, my friend Ami Horowitz, who is, uh, you know, he goes out on these very, very risky, videos, yeah. fairly risky jaunts out there talking to um, people in high criminal areas. Yeah, and, but he also goes, he also goes to Lebanon and uh, meets with Hezbollah. And I mean, it goes to, I mean, it's really incredible what the stuff he does. He went to Sweden to some bad areas there. But you get the idea. The point is that uh, he interviewed a lot of people and it was shocking to see how many people thought with certainty that Chauvin was going to get a full acquittal on all charges and the fix was in and everything else. Uh, it is also shocking to me how there's this new uh, young lady who's joined PragerU. She's amazing. I forget her name. It starts with an A. Uh, but she used to be a uh, you know, big-time leftist uh, with organizations fighting uh, and finding racism everywhere you look. And she realized that something's up. And she, she changed her whole mind, her outlook. And she said that 
when she was stopped by a cop, she was in a car with a couple of others and everyone else was black in the car, uh, that she thought for certain she was going to die. Just for being stopped. That's it. Oh, here are three black people and a white cop is now going to just shoot them all, point blank in the head perhaps, and uh, move along with his merry day because that's, what, that's the way cops treat black people, don't you quota. know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently, yeah. No doubt she thought it was a quota. But that's so sick, right? I mean, it's, yeah. first of all, it's so sad. Because it's deranged. Obviously, it reflects a, the success of a media telling uh, black, uh, young black people especially, day after day that the fix is in and how they are at war with the police and the police just want to see them dead, dead, dead. Okay, so that, that's sad to me. So couple that with what I just said about the Ami Horowitz situation, they, they've, they've created this mantra, this this meme that there is racism everywhere you look and the last thing they want is to create the mood or the possibility that it's anything but what they've told you because the Chauvin verdict uh, flies in the face of everything they've been told. Wait a minute, I thought that the fix was always in and yet uh, 12 juries uh, unanimously found a guilty verdict. I I don't get it. What's going on here? It does not fit the narrative. So, they don't want the acquittal. They never wanted this. I sorry. They never wanted this uh, guilty verdict. They wanted an acquittal. That's the message that I want to give to you right now. Yes. So I, I want to move on uh, to another topic. But and I alluded to this before, Ari, about this uh, Garcetti proposal to uh, give universal basic income to Los Angelinos, to some I don't know how many thousands of families. Uh, no questions asked. Um, and I just want you to hear from his, I guess, State of the City address that he recently gave uh, just, I think, a couple of days ago. So here we go. There is perhaps no greater crisis in America than our poverty crisis. We must end America's addiction to poverty, an addiction that costs us tens of billions of dollars a year in lost productivity. Okay, I just want to say something about this, this addiction to poverty. Like, okay, uh, why? We, we, we need poverty? This, this, it helps America somehow? Where is this analysis of, of an addiction to, to poverty? Is there poverty? Yes. Uh, but we, we're addicted to it. We want it. Uh, he, he says, he, just listen to how he blithely passes over. Anyway, let's continue. Well, Democrats do, obviously. Yes. Let, let me just continue on. Criminal justice costs and unequal health outcomes. This pandemic has shined a light on the consequences of being poor in America, but also pointed to what happens when the federal government provides cash assistance to poor Americans. At the beginning of this pandemic, child poverty dropped 20% nationally, and the American Rescue Plan could cut it in half. The reason for this, it isn't complicated. It's something that I and other local leaders have been shouting to the rafters. When you give money to people who are poor, it creates better outcomes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, why not go fully socialist then? Why not go fully communist uh, then, right? Just give the money to everyone. That's how simple it was. Right. You know, why is there this trickling of a thousand a month? Why not cut a check to every citizen of LA for a million dollars? Yes. Why only a thousand dollars? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's the point. I mean, really, just 
again, just blithely passing through these these statements, um, and as if to say, well, why should we have this? I mean, it's like it's it's when my kid says to me, I mean, he's always so when they're little, right, four or five years old, and they see you go into the ATM machine, and you pull out, let's say, a hundred bucks for the week. And they say, Daddy, why, why didn't you pull out a million dollars, right? That's, that's the way they view the wealth in America. It's just something you grab from an ATM machine and you just give it to whoever uh, wants it. No questions asked. Let's continue right. on. We stole it from the Indians, so why can't we just give it to everyone, right? Let's continue on. It covers child care. It puts food on the table. It leads to more high school graduations and better checkups. During the pandemic, I came together with 11 other mayors to found mayors for a guaranteed income. Today, we're 43 mayors strong, and we've seen already the evidence of a success in cities like Stockton. When LA gets involved with a transformational issue, we don't just follow, we lead. So today, I'm proud to announce that this year, Los Angeles will launch the largest guaranteed basic income pilot of any city in America. We have budgeted $24 million to provide $1,000 a month to 2,000 households for an entire year. No questions asked wherever poverty lives in our city. Wow, that's breathtaking. Okay, so, so the question is, why just $24 million? Why just $1,000? Why just, what is it, 24,000 families, right? Why, why just for one year? If it's going to work so beautifully then why not, like you said before, why not give them a million dollars? Or let's not exaggerate. Let's, why not say $10,000 every month? That's a pretty nice uh, penny. It's $120,000 a year. And do it for, for forever until such time as they feel like good. And it's no questions asked. That's the best part of it, right? So it's, it has nothing to do with the reality. Uh, they are clearly pandering, clearly uh, ignoring the basics of economics, uh, they talk about food on the table, right? They talk about um, uh, better health care and graduations and such. Who do you think? I mean, how do you how do you pay for these people, these these things, especially food on the table? People who work for a living. That's how they do it. They they have to be paid for the the food that they produce, and it doesn't make any sense. If if it if everyone's going to get free stuff, then why should anyone work at all? Why not, why not eliminate money for everyone and make us all each other's slaves? Make us all each other's keepers. Yeah. That's what they really want, right? Well, of course. This is the ultimate destruction of society that they're seeking. It's not, these are little, I would say it's little, but they're actually huge chinks in the armor where they want you to question capitalism so much to the point that it becomes a nuisance. That, that you're, yes, you're able to go ahead and, and continue on with your donut shop uh, your floor shop, what, what have you. But let's face it, the, re, the real motivator and generator of the economy should be the government. That's right. The whole you didn't build that. And there's so much to unpack here. One thing I want to go back in the Wayback Machine really fast and talk about, remember years ago we'd have discussions about the, when the uh, minimum wage debates were raging, uh, 15 an hour, 19 an hour, whatever it was. And I said, why not $20,000 an hour? As a great way to make the argument against it. Because, you know, that's where you reach the point where the Democrats goes, whoa, 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 we're not talking about that. Well, why not? Yeah. Right? Well, why not a million a month? Why not a billion? And 
you know, it, it, you know, the the answer is obvious. It's it's like the other topics we were discussing earlier. It's about the acquisition of power. I do want to remind our listeners of of a detail, though. One thing that you didn't play in this um, speech is he was unpacking part of his new initiatives for homelessness and talking about spending uh, untold billions to house. X number of people who yeah. don't want to be in houses. The, the answer to homelessness is, is homes, he homes. says, so yeah. obviously, right? But um, just to remind people, because I found this immediately, I have this unfortunate um, uh, uh, handicap and I remember stuff, which is very bad. Don't try it at home. <laughs> and um, I remember a few years ago on the ballot here and for LA residents was Proposition HH. Housing for the homeless, in which X number, I don't remember the exact amounts, I don't remember that, because mm-hmm. the details are maddening, but a few years ago, we spent billions of dollars on homelessness because of like a couple of pennies of, of sale tax increase to fund homeless initiatives, right? Well, uh, apparently, it bought us more homeless. So the very people who supported that, this idiot, this um, uh, word for uh, female hygiene bag, um, want to spend now more money to fix more of the problem of that their money didn't fix. Of course, yeah. So look, and the more they, they the more the more money you spend. Oh, hold on, yeah. the more money you spend. I think I, I don't want to get too drill down on that. The more money you spend on such programs, the more of the problem that you get. Right. That's it's right. as simple as that. If if you send the signal that Los Angeles is giving away free housing. Uh, then guess what? You're going to get more homeless who want that free housing. Yeah, you're it's, get not, it's not rocket science. It's not as if there's a big wall around Los Angeles like Escape from L.A. Uh, where you, you can kind of keep in the, the Los Angelinos and only those people who are actually inside get the benefits uh, that, that are proposed. No, they're going to bust in a huge number of people, and that's the way it's going to work. Now, even more so when it comes to this universal basic income idea, and the, with no questions asked, no less, so what's, you an illegal what's, what's going to happen? What is going to happen? You know, and I asked this to my kids uh, a couple of nights ago and said, what, what are the consequences? Go. <laughs> right. And so they had a good time with that one. And of course, they said there's going to be more crime. There's going to be more drugs. There's going to be more this, more that. And then they said, ultimately, there are going to be people flooding into the city with the hopes that they might be one of the people that graciously gets the thousand dollars per week uh, or whatever it is per month uh, for the year and so on. Uh, and this is a pilot program, mind you. So they're never going to say, like, like, we, like we joked around before about the, um, the trial, or the Chauvin trial, like to somehow say, yeah, everything is good now. We're, we're cool with that. They're never going to say that the pilot program for the universal basic income failed, right? They're never going to say that. Miserably, and let's try something else like capitalism. Well, they, but here's the thing: is that they they this has already been tried. I think it was in Finland. There was a, some sort of town where they they tried that basic universal income, and it was a disaster. They tried it. Not surprisingly, it was a disaster. And it all fell apart on them. But they, they keep on trying it as if somehow this is a very unique idea. Look, why, why do people buy this? You know, in the same way that why did this, this girl think that she was going to die merely because she was black and she was in a car and now they were being pulled over. She thought she literally was going to die within minutes. Why do people think this, right? Is the television told them to? Because, well, yes, the media told them to. But it also takes a willingness to believe this. Okay, so the, te- the TV can tell you a lot of things, but you can also raise at least one eyebrow. I think very few people are raising eyebrows at all. They just they are not interested in the eyebrow business. Okay, that, that is a big problem. Um, 
And, and this is where I'm going to get to toward the end of this program. Where, and, and I did this on my Sunday show, Ari. It is fascinating to me, to, to both you and me. We, we've talked about how we cannot believe uh, seeing people running in the streets, uh, you know, for exercising, jogging. They're totally alone. There's no, nobody around them. And they are wearing masks while they're running. Or uh, I see that when, when I go biking, mountain biking, I see people hiking with, with these masks on. There's nobody for literally miles, let alone six feet, uh, and they wear these masks. Yeah, and so, or an abundance of caution. Right. right. So, so that to me and you, is like, how can they believe this crap? Uh, there's no questioning whatsoever. So here's the, he, a, 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 an epiphany came to me, which is this, that it's, it appears to be only those with deep faith, Christians and Jews alike, who seem to push back on this COVID stuff, where, where we scratch our heads and say, well, wait a minute now, uh, what about X, right? I mean, that what about X or wait a minute attitude, you don't see that among the secular. And I, I wanted to know why. I wanted to figure it out. Because their faith is so deep. <laughs> well, you're, you're right. No, but it, it's actually simpler than that. It's very simple. For the faithful, Ari, whether they're Christians every Sunday, Jews every Saturday, what do they do? They go to a place called church or synagogue, and they learn about Moses fighting the establishment, fighting authority. They learn about Jesus Jacob. fighting the Yes, I was going to get there. Jesus yeah. fighting uh, the, the authority. They learn about uh, Esther fighting Haman. They learn about... Uh, you know, David fighting Goliath and the Philistines and fighting Saul for that matter. They learn about justice and about uh, uh, Samson fighting the Philistines as well. They learn about confrontation with authority and that God is in charge. They learn that, that God doesn't want kings. He, 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 we learn that God wants the people to rule themselves in a just and kind way, right? They, they want... They, they learn that God wants us to think for ourselves. That's the reason why, Ari, why they, it is the religious who have been fighting against the established um, conventional wisdom when it comes to COVID and the response to it. We just don't buy this crap. We are the ones scratching our heads. And, and so you, you end up thinking to yourself, what does this mean? I'll tell you. It means that the cynical muscle is not natural. It has to be developed. We need to be cynical. We don't just accept whatever one else is telling us. For example, the COVID deaths, right? The madness associated with that and how clear it was that they were being inflated, right? The 2020 election, the, 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 um, how, how COVID has spread, uh, how HCQ actually is a very effective therapeutic, and so on, and yeah, so on. Global warming, as you talked about. Yes, racism in America, racism right? Racism in America. All these things, are, you know, we get, we're the ones saying, hold on, I, I don't necessarily buy all that. We're, this, we're the skeptics, and they mock us. We call us. They call us crazy for being skeptical, just for raising questions, you see. I.e. following the scientific method, if you will. Whatever it is. No, no, no but that's the I, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. The yeah. skepticism is itself... Uh, craziness, whereas you is you have to believe whole hog, a hundred percent, 
of the global warming narrative and 100% that we're all going to die of COVID unless we wear masks and so on and so on. And 100% that there's racism in America everywhere you look. Uh, and we, we among the religious are the, are the only ones saying that dog don't hunt for me. I, I have to have a lot more evidence before you, you pull that wool over my eyes. And that to me was an extraordinary epiphany. It is, it, it takes vigilance and it also shows that critical thinking is not natural. It shows that it must be learned and that only God gives us that ability. People don't want to engage in critical thinking. They want to submit. That is the natural state of affairs. That is the default. It's to submit. If you find God, you will be somebody who will not submit. There are very few atheists out there, very few among the secular, who've abandoned the notion of church and God. I'm not even talking about the spiritual ones. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the atheists for that matter. I'm talking about people who just, for whom the idea of religion, uh, Christianity or Judaism, doesn't matter, uh, has no, no part in their lives. That's who I'm talking about. They don't realize that by abandoning God that way, you will never be a critical thinker. You will lapse into the default, which is to be supine, which is to never doubt and never have a question in your head about whether this, this stuff makes any sense. That is the danger we're facing among the many other things in a world without God. It's a big topic in my, in my book, Atheism Destroys, coming up. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Sorry, I got to tell you. Uh, Susan Prager, editing my book now. I'm very excited about that too. Uh, Robert Stearns, just uh, from Eagle's Wings, fantastic pastor. He's written the foreword to it. Uh, this is going to be a game changer book, and I'm very excited about it. And uh, Ari, thank you very much for your input on it as well, and so, as well as your lovely wife, Feeney. Look, we've got to stand up to God because otherwise you get this crap like that there's racism everywhere we look. And they'll just feed it to you. And then you will, you will so uh, simply accept it without realizing the poison that they're feeding you. Whether that's from Maxine Waters, whether it's from uh, uh, Merrick, Merrick Garland, whether it's from Eric Garcetti or, or any of the other schmucks out there. Okay? Amen. You will end up just eating their spoonful of crap. Don't buy it. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.